welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for the show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and center in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Today I'm delighted to introduce my special guest, Glenn Conlon. She's a certified compassionate communication trainer and I think we all know what it feels like to have a prickly conversation or not feel heard in a conversation. So I love what Glyn does and I've invited her so that we can learn to be assertive and compassionate in our communication. Welcome, Glyn. Hi there, Bev. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you on the show today. So let's talk a little bit about you. Well, um, I've got about 20 years experience in uh, the personal development field. And um, I found that reaching my own personal power via nonviolent communication or compassionate communication is um, really vital for me and it helps me every day. I've had a lot of experience in organizations and I have done uh, or completed a Cert 4 in workplace and assessment training for training small groups. And I'm an internationally certified trainer um, in compassionate communication with the Center for Nonviolent Communication. That's quite a big mouthful, I think. <laughs> um, so um, I'm, I'm really passionate about telling the truth with care, um, which is very different to just out-and-out out honesty. I love honesty too, but communicating simply and clearly, enabling others to more easily hear my message and then they can often, if I have a request, they can often um, agree to offering me support, which I love so much. Um, I got a huge boost in my energy when I realized that everything that I nourish my body with, whether it's food or exercise and thoughts, I found that that's a, that has a direct effect on my digestion, um, the health of my body, and how engaged I am generally with enthusiasm and energy. I work with others to improve their personal power and productivity. And working with different cultures, I've found that learning how we traditionally communicate and understanding different cultures has led to working with corporate leaders worldwide in private and group coaching. I use a simple, learnable and powerfully transformative communication model which I've applied in my business family and with friends. And I've, I've empowered clients to overcome hurdles in business relationships with raising teenagers and divorce. Mm, that's fascinating. So this Centre for Nonviolent Communication, is it, you know, you mentioned it as being a, a global thing. Yes, it is. It was founded by Marshall Rosenberg in 1984 and has grown um, 250,000 people a year, approximately, <laughs> learn this process. On this journey for yourself, you know, just describe how you got to where you are today. Well, 
there were a few things that impacted my my life. Um, when my other sibling and myself were bullied at school, that was a huge shock to me. And I know that that still goes on. And then when it occurred in relationships that I had and my working career, I was I was no longer shocked uh, because I became a big girl then, but I I did realize that this is going on and it's and it's rife everywhere. And um, I think being I'm going to call it being bullied, but I don't really like that expression. But um, the shock of that when you experience so much trust with somebody and you spend so much time with them, uh, it's a huge investment for yourself and the other person. So I, I reached a pretty low stage during one of those events and I started looking at human behavior and psychology and fitness actually and health generally. Uh, then I also started to look at the other thing that was really something that uh, very poignant in my life was because I was born of Yugoslav and British parents and I was acutely aware that they were polar opposites in communication. So one side was the stoic British side and the other side was pretty much wearing your emotions on your sleeve. And it was confusing. I had no idea which way I should go. And it wasn't until I actually traveled that I got a a broader and deeper sense of who I was and that I was both of these people. And that's probably led me mostly to looking at compassionate communication. But most recently, what really revved my engine, I suppose I could call it, was a self-harm article in the Manly Daily. And it was over a year ago now. But it, it got me curious that if I'm not the only one that was wanting to be heard in some way, these kids, these teenagers also want to be heard. And that's how the, the compassionate assertiveness um, calls first started because I realized people were reaching out and it was okay to say, oh, they're just teenagers, only I never, I never believed that. I really thought that the teenagers were wanting to, they needed attention. They weren't attention getters or grabbers. And when this article pointed to children as young as six self-harming, I just couldn't sit still any longer. (laughs) Yeah. No. I I just want to explore that a little bit. So when we talk about self-harming, that is obviously a, a real trauma for somebody that they are not being able to feel heard or express themselves. And so they resort to and I know you you see this a lot in teenagers, but I didn't know that, like you said, it's shocking that it's as young as a child of six. Yeah. Do you know what parents need to look out for? It all starts with how busy we are, I guess. And that's not an easy thing to just stop tomorrow. Um, what I've realized in compassionate communication is you don't have to have the quantity of time You need to know how to access the quality of communication. So you don't need lots and lots of time to do it. And I think it's that it's like, I suppose, having a date night um, where you put effort into your relationship and you make a time to put effort into your relationship. 
We all have iPhones and Android phones and all these beautiful um, equipment. So we can put diarise a note to just connect in with our children. And it doesn't matter if they're five or if they're 15 or 25. Um, it does make a difference in their lives. It, it really does. So I think the some of the signs to look out for might be that the child is um, withdrawn, not eating, not sleeping, doesn't want to go to school or preschool or daycare or whatever, and is generally not engaged. Now, they're very subtle signs and they can take shape over a couple of months. It's not really obvious, only with some more quality Oh, I don't even know whether I like quality communication, but showing people how to draw out those signs and, and, and allow the child some time to speak with truth. And I think that makes a big difference. That's the first step, I would say. Yeah, I recognize sort of as a parent, you know, you've got all these things that you have to do, but if you are never present with your kids, it is a danger. I know that mm. from my personal experience, because of my own executive life, I was so busy. My teenagers didn't really get that time with me in terms of just really listening and hearing to you know what they were saying. So that is a really good way to segue into what is compassionate communication, Glenn? Yeah, thank you, Bev. Yes, thanks for sharing that too. Um, well, it's a moral philosophy which explains that all human actions are attempts to meet universal human needs. And people may be aware of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It is based on that. And basically it's saying that everyone is acting from trying to meet a need. So therefore, it, you're not determined right or wrong. It's a pretty hard concept to, to abide by. But anyway, that's... Um, Non-violent uh, communication, on the other hand, is the use of fear, guilt or shame to coerce another person into any type of action. So they're the two opposites. Um, and I think we're seeing so much on the news, you know, all these campaigns about violence against women and those type of things. So you you giving examples there, so fear, guilt and shame um, but I think the other word you used there was coerce. Yes. So it's some form of manipulation in our conversation, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I know that everybody's busy. Um, I experience it too. I'm not. I'm not perfect just because I have these skills, um, and that's why I can. That's why I can share them. I guess because I've experienced them and keep experiencing all of them. Um, and I just have my little safety toolkit with me, so that helps me a lot. Um, of compassionate communication anyway. Well, I think it's the awareness, isn't it? So let's talk about if, if we get it right, what are the benefits then? So it, it enables you to think and communicate more simply and clearly. And something I've, uh, that people have told me over and over again, that they don't even know what to ask for. So you're able to use the skills yourself to define what you want and ask for it. So it means that personal power and confidence and competence is whenever within everyone's reach. It's definitely an empowering and lighter way to live. I've got to say that from my own experience. And it gives you that freedom from anger and spiraling down into that, that um, depth of anger and guilt and shame and depression. So yesterday I forgot to do something. And as an example, intellectually, I know that nobody suffered 
huge pain or violence. However, because I stand for care, it was less care than I wanted to give. And I could have spoken to myself in a way that allowed me to spiral down into maybe some guilt and shame. But this process helped me stay buoyant. So it helps you understand yourself without judgment and understand others without needing to agree. Uh, just, just when you're nodding your head doesn't mean, yes, I agree with everything you've said, just I've heard you. So it allows me to stand up for what I believe, to assert myself without being intimidated, uh, overawed or defensive, just to have that confidence, courage and truthfulness in the moment and to disagree respectfully when I need to. Oh, this is interesting big for me because I can just think of how many conversations they get had on a daily basis where people don't actually have these skills. And yes, the nodding is taken as I'm agreeing. Mm. And when that person then acts differently, we're surprised. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Mm, because we, we do take that nodding as an, a form of agreement with our opinion. And there seems to be like, I guess, a defensiveness about protecting what we've said. So we kind of say something, let's say around a topic. And the one that everyone always talks about is politics. Yes. So I guess we're talking about then that knowing how to resolve conflict. Well, knowing how to resolve conflict, just I'm going to put it down as to something very, very simple, that it helps my energy. It helps my digestive system, my digestive health. Simple. Um, I don't know how to say it really. Um, I'm just grateful that I don't have regular tummy bugs. I don't have exhaustion or endocrine problems or an inability to handle stress. I don't crave sugar or salt. I don't have weight gain around my tummy. Should I go on? I mean, as far as a woman is concerned, I think that's, that's pretty good. Although best of all, I can finally handle all the best of what my daughters um, can give deal to me because, you know, the people that are closest to you are the ones that sometimes have the greatest effect on us. And I can say for sure that those things that they used to say to me cut the deepest and now they still hurt some of the things, of course, only it takes me such a shorter time. I would say it would take me a week before to get over something that they had said, but now it takes me a few minutes. And that's what I like. I like when, when I can say, I can say I can move on now. I've actually dealt with it instead of distracting or going around the issue to revisit it later on. You're saying that when you've got this effective communication, you're not feeling the need to avoid it or suppress it. So tell me then how you manage and learn from that. Um, well, it's amazing that it's possible to correct what led to the problem in the first place and prevent future conflicts by doing this. So you can improve your overall ability to resolve disputes and just have more connecting conversations that are more meaningful. It's a, it's a four-step process with what I like to call a, a beautiful veil um, of heart-mind. So the four steps, which may not seem like too much at the moment, but they're just simply observing without evaluating. 
looking at what you're actually feeling in the present moment or what's happening in your body, what needs, what universal needs are being met or not met at that particular moment, and then thinking of a request that you could make of the other person. <laughs> it's, it's a four-step model, which is what I like. I can remember in the moment because I know where I am in the process. Four steps, that's easy for me to remember. I don't have to be um, a genius at any particular um, topic. I know what feelings are. The most important component is that what you referred to earlier, that presence, and those two frames pull all of this process together. And that's the intention to connect. If you have that intention to connect to start with, that's really important. You may just have an intention to be right, and that's okay too. It's that awareness of what your intention is in the moment. And also the presence that you mentioned, that attention in the moment. If your mind is elsewhere, not a problem, only maybe come back to it. That, that might, be, might be something that both of you might appreciate. Can you provide me some examples of where we can apply this? Yeah, um, some of the, the people that I work with are from all different walks of life, but families um, as well as in the workplace, as well as partners in a business relationship or couples in a relationship and friends, of course, that sometimes that really cuts deep when, when you have that spiraling down with something a friend has said. Uh, a recent example that really touched my heart, actually, um, it was a family with an extended family. And, you know, those blended families can get tricky. Nobody really knows what's going on sometimes. And the parents, one of the um, siblings anyway, were having a baby. The child turned one. And I don't know. If you've got kids, you, I think you remember when that, when that first baby turns one. It's a pretty special occasion. You get pretty proud of what you've actually produced and, and how things are going. And, and the parents of the child realized that the whole family hadn't really been in this child's life for a whole year. So that spurred them to seeking my assistance. And People might visit, the family might have visited separately or called, but nobody got together in one great big supportive bunch of people. So after being together for everybody was together in the one house, that was also the first time that that had happened in um, five years. And we were together that night for three hours. And they told me that a 20-year wait had been lifted from their family. And what particularly touched me was that I knew that that one-year-old for this Christmas coming up was going to have that huge gathering of people with the love and support from now on and all starting from Christmas. And I just, I, I was so moved when I, when I heard that. So talk me through what happens when one spirals down into a sort of stress state in a conversation and what's the process to return myself to the surface? Well, you mentioned it briefly before, when you have a thought about a comment that somebody else has made and you don't have any evidence or information to the contrary, you just make it up. And that spiraling is that, that making it up and making it worse and making it bigger. You're starting to guess what they might have meant by the comment because a day has gone past and you still don't have any more information. 
you might be wondering, well, what did that look mean? What did that word mean? And then we have all these judgments coming up. So we might be saying things to ourselves like, how could he say such callous things? He's always said that he thinks I'm too airy-fairy the way I talk. You know, he wants me to be practical like his dad. He's been stressed lately. He's got a lot on his plate and I don't know how I can support him. Oh, cool. And that's a lot to be going on inside your head. You know, I so want to support my son. And spiralling down is where we add further, uh, not evidence, but information to our initial set of thoughts and we pile on all the punishment, just like a cat of nine tail strokes that the, the, the Buddhist used to do, Buddhist monks used to do. And we then add more words to it in our head. So some of the things that can help you resurface and take that gulp of air and move through it, you take one small step. So you take each thought one at a time. You hear all the judgments around that thought. You name what actually happened rather without an evaluation, which is just like a camera shot. Or if you were to ask 10 people what they saw in this particular photo, you could be pretty much sure that those 10 people would say the same thing. So it needs to be an accurate observation. Then you uncover gently the feelings and the needs, and then you can brainstorm strategies that surface naturally from those needs. So fantastic. I'm just curious to find out more. We're going to have to talk about this some more, I think, because we've covered a lot in a short space. Yes. But I wanted to also ask you, what are your tips for living fabulously? Well, um, I've got to say exercise. I've got to say moving, keeping up, keep updating all your nutrition information and research. Because that, if you're, it's an inside job. I, I know that might have be a bit overused at the moment, but following natural food, natural diet, fiber, fiber, fiber. <laughs> um, learn empathy. Surround yourself with others that listen deeply and are not morally judging your thoughts and actions. To be listened to with that freedom is, oh, your body relaxes and you can digest your food properly when you're relaxed. I would say develop your creativity, definitely. Um, Meditation, uh, stretching would have to be one. Just choose the friends who who you stick by and that you have fun with. I, I guess I have to say take it easy on yourself, and that's definitely one for me. I probably play this recording over and over again. Um, but stand in your personal power and values without being overawed, intimidated, or defensive. And that learning how to interrupt gracefully and also not listen to one more word than you want to. Ah, travel, exercise. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I think I mentioned exercise a couple of times now. Eat less sugar. <laughs> There's a whole realm around living fabulously, there is. isn't that? So I'm, gl- I'm glad that you kind of agree with me. That's beautiful. <laughs> so you can find Glyn by searching for her website. It's www.keystoneskills.com forward slash AU. And there's also on Facebook, search for Keystone Skills. And so, Glenn, thank you so much for sharing your journey and also inspiring us around 
considering what it is that it takes to have a great conversation, I would say. So the few takeaways that I've got here is defining what you want and asking for it. I think this is so key. You know, we often make assumptions about what we want other people to do for us, but we've never explicitly asked. So to me, that is just such a key to our conversation today. And that sort of understanding others without the need to agree with them, to me, is also just a beautiful nugget that we've taken away today. Thank you. And the other one was around, you know, if you find yourself in that situation where you've had a difficult conversation, your tools, you had five steps that would take you back and up, you know, instead of spiraling down and, and you mentioned the cat of nine tails. But to bring yourself back up is just taking each thought at a time, not making this whole story up about what happened and not giving judgments on the thought, you know, just hear what's happening and name it again without judgment. I love this, this lack of judgment, because this is what we do is we, you know, we're all we making excuses for someone's behavior. We're either putting judgment on it or we're making excuses for them. Mm. And then uncover what it is that we felt and what we need in that moment and then get the strategies for ourselves. So thank you. That's been absolutely a pleasure to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much, Bev. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.